please stand for the reading of God's word. Today's scripture comes out of the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Well, good morning, West Bowles Community Church. How's everyone doing today? Good. It's good to see you. My name is David Prez. I'm the youth director here at the church. And thank you so much for joining us on this Fall Youth Sunday. Um, Real quickly, can we give it up for everyone involved in the service? So we've got the worship team, the ushers, the greeters, the sound booth. Um, announcements. Yes, they did all did such an awesome job. Um, man, it's wonderful to see the youth involved. So, uh, well, if you've been here in the past when I have preached, you'll know that my family likes to be out of town when I preach. Okay. It's just, it's something that they do. Now I don't, I don't blame them because typically, um, a lot of times that I preach, it's on a holiday weekend. So, you know, Labor Day, um, Thanksgiving week, that kind of stuff, which I get. Okay. Today, it's Halloween weekend. No one travels out of town for Halloween weekend, right? Who, who's like, we're going to take a Halloween vacation, okay? My father-in-law so desperately did not want to hear me preach this morning that not only did he leave the state, the country, he left the continent, okay? John Burns is over in London this morning because he didn't want to hear me talk, all right? So, um, no, I'm, I'm totally kidding. He had this trip planned a while back. He's actually watching the Bronco game. I don't even know the score, so I'm not going to tell anyone. You, oh, John's not giving me a good look. All right, so um, he's enjoying that. But uh, anyway, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day and this time. Thank you for the opportunity for us to get together as a church body, as a church family. Uh, Jesus, I pray this morning that you speak through me. Um, Lord, speak through your word. I pray that you open hearts and ears to what you would have to say this morning. Uh, we love you, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right, well, speaking of Denver, behind me, there's going to be a picture of a Nikola Jokic, okay? So some of you know who that is. Some of you have no idea who he is, okay? He is the center for the Denver Nuggets, all right? So um, he got drafted in 2014, and there's a lot that is interesting about Nikola Jokic, but there is one thing that I find particularly interesting, and that's how he was drafted, okay? So um, the NBA draft, it's a big deal, okay? You get to see these, these kids who have worked so hard to make it to the big leagues, um, you get to see their dreams come true. And so typically what happens is, um, you know, they call their name and there's this big celebration. They walk up to the stage, right? They're, they shake the commissioner's hand, the owner's there. They've got this jersey, right? It's like this beautiful crowning moment. Now, if you haven't heard of Nikola Jokic before, um, you're, you're in good company because when he was drafted, no one really knew who he was, okay? He was a nobody, Uh, You want to talk about, like, unimportant draft picks? That guy right there, okay? Um, He was someone that you're like, why why did the Nuggets pick this guy up? Like, it was was a waste of a pick. He's he's not very important. Where's the value in him, okay? Um, Really looked over, and uh, and you, you kind of scratched your head. Well, if you were in that camp, you weren't alone because ESPN 
thought the exact same thing. In fact, ESPN thought so little of this guy and thought he was so unimportant and so just valueless that check out what they did when he was drafted by the Nuggets. Right here. This is a real picture. ESPN, instead of showing Nikola Jokic getting drafted, they went to a commercial and instead everyone saw a Taco Bell commercial. So this is like probably the biggest moment of this guy's life and there's no photo of him. There's no image of his family. There is nothing. All you see on the screen is just this little sliver, round two, pick 41, Denver picks Nikola Jokic, Taco Bell. Okay? If, if that doesn't signal you don't mean anything, I don't know what does, okay? Now, his story and this actually has a lot more to do with the passage of Scripture that we read about than, than we realize. Because what we're going to read today is we're going to read a passage of a, a group of people who was treated much like this, who was seen as unimportant, who was seen as not having any value, who was seen as very much less than, and they were treated that way, in fact, by the disciples. And what we're going to discover this morning is Jesus does not view them the same. So if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, and we are going to pick it up in verse 13. It says this, People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Now, I want to focus in on one sentence here. It says here in verse 14, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. In other words, Jesus was furious. He was mad. He was angry, not with the children, not with their parents, with the disciples, with those who were closest to him, with those who knew him the best. Now, why was he so mad? Well, I, as I look at this, I think there's, there's two possible reasons that Jesus could have been so mad. One, this is actually a repeat event, okay? So this isn't the first time that people have brought children to Jesus and that the disciples have been like, nope, stay away, okay? In fact, Pastor Nathan preached on this a few weeks ago. He talked about how yeah, the children came, the disciples said no, and Jesus said, let the children come to me. And so like the disciples, in disciple fashion, didn't get the message the first time, right? A little thick scold. We laugh at them, but I'm the same way, right? It takes God a few times to, to get the message through to me. So maybe that's the first one. But really, I, I don't think that's why Jesus was so mad. I think that was part of it. But I think the real reason that Jesus was so mad was because of how the disciples viewed the children and how they treated them. Now, in this day and age, children we're not viewed the way we view them today, right? We see children today, we think they're the future. They are so important, and I'm glad we do. But in this context, in this day and age, children were seen as less than. Second-class second class citizens of no value, of no importance. As a hindrance, a nuisance, a bother. So what we see the disciples doing here is they see, they're seeing these children this way. You don't matter in fact, you know what? Jesus, they are not worth your time. That's what they're really saying, isn't it? You've got more important people to see and talk to. They don't belong with you. 
You see, that's who the disciples saw these children as. But Jesus knew who they really were, didn't he? Jesus saw their true value. So much so that we see here, right? He says, if, if you want to go into the kingdom of heaven, you've got to be like a child. And so as I've sat with this passage, as I've looked at Jesus' heart for young faith, for the young, as I've reflected upon our youth and the fact that today is Youth Sunday, what I want to do this morning is go over six traits that I believe Jesus loves in young faith. Now, it's not all-encompassing, okay? I'm sure there's so much more we could look at and see that Jesus values and loves about the young and about those with young faith. But this morning, we're just, we're just going to cover six. So, the first one, we're going to hop right in. The first one is this, and it's on your notes. Children are curious, okay? They constantly question everything, right? Okay, if you've got a kid... If you've got a child, maybe they're in here with you right now, okay? But right around the age of like five or six, they go through the why phase. Do you remember that, parents? Where they start asking you why. So why do you do that? And then you give them an answer, and what's the question they ask you? Why? why? <laughs> and then you give them an answer, and what's the question they ask you? Why, right? And this goes on to the nth degree so far that you've got to have some kind of doctorate in something to adequately answer their question, okay? Now, children are like that, but youth aren't much different, okay? All right? They ask a lot of questions. You don't believe me? Join us for the first hour of a youth trip, okay? Within that first hour, I have been asked 50 questions. Questions like, when are we going to get there? Where are we stopping for lunch? Uh, Like last year, right, we went to California. When are we going to get to California? What hotel are we staying at before we get there? What hotel are we staying at in California, right? Why does the bus smell so bad? Why is there smoke coming from the engine? Why are we pulled over? Why is radiator fluid everywhere, okay? Um, Valid questions, guys. But nonetheless, they ask a lot of questions. They ask a lot of questions of us adults, but they also ask a lot of questions of God and to him and about him. They ask questions like, why, why do bad things happen to good people? Why did this situation happen to me? Why did this happen to my friends, to my family? What is, what is God's purpose for my life? How, how do I figure out what God's purpose for my life is? How do I know that God's word is true? And my favorite question I've heard them ask is, why do mosquitoes exist? Okay, we all wonder it. <laughs> it frustrates me. Like, I'm going to ask God, what, what was the point? Okay, all right, maybe that's not a question they ask. That's, that's actually my question. But they ask a lot of questions. And as adults, when we see them questioning, sometimes we can see that as, as them being irreverent, naive, and sometimes, after a while, annoying. And so we look at this and we go, why, why are you asking so many questions? But we forget every answer starts with a question. We also don't realize that they're not doing it out of a spirit of, I want to bug you. I want to annoy you. <clears throat> you know what, God, I, I, don't, I don't trust you. No, they are, they are genuinely curious. Right? They, they, they actually they ask questions because they want to know more about God. And here's what we realize, is that earnest and honest questions lead to opportunities to continually learn new things about God. 
Their, their questioning is because they want to know more. They want to know God. It's not because they're irreverent. It's not because they're being annoying. No, they want to know more about him. This curiosity sparks them to know God at a deeper level. In fact, if you look at their, that young faith, right? Young faith grows so quickly. Why? I think this is a big part of it. Because they want to know. I mean, just, just think about if you're married. Imagine if you stopped asking your spouse new questions. Like today, you stop talking to them, you stop asking them new things. How would your relationship with your spouse be? Pretty rough, right? Yeah. Well, this is the same with God. And our kids, they've got this curiosity that, man, I am in awe of. And I realize I need to be more curious. I need to begin to ask more questions and seek God in a new way. Number two, children are dependent. What they rely on shapes the road they take. Now, we want our kids to be independent, don't we? Yeah. And there's, there's a lot that we teach them to rely on, but one of the biggest things we want to teach them to rely on is themselves. We want to teach them independence. So we want our kids to grow up and be able to pay their own bills. Right? We want them to be able to, to buy their own house. We want them to be able to have their own job, to drive a car. Independence is a good thing. We want them to be able to do some things on their own. However, independence to an extreme, too much independence is not a good thing. What independence to an extreme teaches us and what it actually, the message it sends, especially the young, is you have to do it all on your own. You should not ask for help. You should not ask others to get involved. You should be able to do it all by yourself. That's an entirely different message, isn't it? You see, we were never, ever meant to live entirely independently. We see time and time again through God's word. What do we read? When we are weak, he is strong. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. You see, those are people who realize I cannot do it all on my own. But oftentimes, and I think especially in our day and age, in our culture, we value being able to do it myself. In fact, it can be a big point of pride, can it? I did that all on my own. But that's not the gospel message. That's not the truth. Again, we were not meant, we were not created for complete dependence. You see, in our world, the goal is complete independence. But in God, it's more dependence on Him. We are called to, we are meant to rely on God. And the beautiful thing, what follows closely in this is then relying on other people, is involving others to come alongside you to be able to ask for help. So adults, my question is, are we modeling independence to the point where we feel like we have to do it all ourselves? Or are we helping our youth, those that are young in faith, see, you know what, no, you don't have to do it alone. In fact, you can't do it alone. And the best thing you can do is be dependent on him and invite others into that process. Number three, children are vulnerable. They are open to share more than we think. Okay? Now, if you interact with a teenager, at first, you're probably met with some walls. Right? 
they kind of hold you at arm's length. <clears throat> but as you get to know them, man, they open up. They are an open book, aren't they? They will share everything with you, okay? Sometimes they give you way too much information, okay? In fact, if you've got a student in the youth ministry, parents, I know much more about you than you know, okay? All right, yeah, yeah. So for instance, okay, thanks to uh, Laney and True Harrison, I discovered that Nathan Harrison dips his Oreos in water, okay? Not milk, water. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, gross, water, okay? Yeah, thanks to uh, Molly and Lila Kettle, I found out that Charity's favorite color actually isn't pink. It's a facade, okay? It's actually blue, okay? It's not pink, it's blue, all right? And, uh, and thanks to Corbin and Ariel Dykes, I found out that Melanie, she actually really doesn't like Disney that much. Yeah, she's not a Disney fan. She likes Universal better, okay? Uh, all right, none of those are true. I'm totally kidding, parents, okay? <laughs> none of those are true. And I don't know more about you or your family than you want me to know, okay? I don't have dirt on anyone. Um, I don't know more than what you've shared with me. But my point is this. Our kids are willing to be open. Right? They're willing to be vulnerable. That's something that we as adults struggle with, isn't it? We're very cautious about what we say, who we say it to, and where we say it. There are things about us that no one else knows. And the temptation, the, the, the problem with that can be that it can translate into a relationship with God. We can get so closed off and careful with people out here that when it turns time to, to speak with God, we do the same thing. We'll hide parts of ourselves. We'll only let God in on the things we think he's okay to see or the things we want him to see. Maybe it's not just that kind of hiding, but maybe we, we look at our lives and we see some things that are too small to share with him. We go, I'm, I'm not going to bug God with that. That's, that's a little prayer request. I, I can figure this out. You ever sat in on like a children's class or maybe even like with some of our youth in small groups? And have you ever sat in when, when you've asked for prayer requests? We see some really big prayer requests, right? Just like you and I have. But then you get kids asking for, for small things. Things that we would go, I'm not even going to bother God with that. But they are totally and completely vulnerable with him. And what they've realized is that things of small importance does not mean that they have small significance. Because to God, even our littlest things mean a lot. And the payoff of this, the payoff of the fact that our kids are so vulnerable. And guys, I aspire to be as open with God as many of you are. The payoff, the payoff is a a deeper relationship that can only be reached through authentic vulnerability. A relationship with God that can only happen when we are completely open and honest with him about everything. It's a beautiful thing that our youth share so much, especially when they share it with God. Fourth, children are hungry, right? They have a seemingly bottomless appetite to be filled. If you have a teenager in here, you say amen, right? Amen, yes. I don't know if you remember when you were a kid, but it's like you had a hollow leg. I remember being a teenager, if it was in the refrigerator, I was going to eat it. Okay, didn't matter what it was. If it was bad for me, good for me, if it tasted good, I was eating it. Now, we know you eat too much of a bad thing, what's going to happen? You're going to be sick, right? Yeah, you're going to be sick. In fact, in high school, my senior year, 
went over to a friend's house, and we were studying, and her mom decided to make cookies. Now, I'm not talking like the tiny little cookies like this big, right? I'm talking like the big boy cookies, right? Those ones where you eat two, and it's like all your calories for a week. So we get there, and I'm a teenager. I am starving. No joke. I ate over 20 of those cookies, okay? <laughs> All right? I learned this lesson the hard way, that you eat too much of a bad thing, you're going to get really sick. No joke, I had my first migraine ever. My vision went completely white. All right, maybe I should have gotten conceited. I, I, looking back, I think I went to some kind of diabetic shock, okay? Way too much sugar. Um, but I'm alive and I'm okay, all right? But that's what happens, right? You, you eat too much of a good thing you're, or a bad thing, you're going to get sick. And just like we have to watch what the mouth ingests, we also have to watch what the mind ingests. Our kids these days have a limitless, an infinite amount of things they can see, an infinite amount of information available to them at their fingertips. If you've been joining us in the Home Builders 2 class, we've been talking about this, about how really this smartphone, it's got everything they need, everything they could ever look for, it's there. And yes, some of it is good, but not all of it is good, is it? Right? There's a lot of good things on the internet, but there's also a lot of bad things. And so as adults, when we, we watch them scrolling, looking, watch thing, watching things, it can get very easy for us to, to look at that and go, you know what, they've just got an appetite for junk. All, all my kids, all the youth of this day, all they ingest is just a bunch of junk. Why do they watch it? But you know what, I don't think they've got an appetite for junk. If, if we look a little deeper, I think what we see is a deep appetite for truth. A deep appetite to know the Lord. I really do believe that this generation and the generation below this is the hungriest for God of any generation that's walked this earth. They want to know the truth. But left to their own devices, they're going to want to look at what feels good. They're going to want to ingest what feels good, and what feels good isn't always what is good. And if we're being honest, as adults, we're not much different. We want to do what feels good, but it's not always what is good. But what we do know is the truth, the truth that they're looking for is knowing the Lord. Knowing the Lord and His truth. And here's what we discover, here's what we know because Scripture tells us when we seek Him, when we seek His righteousness, we will be filled. You see, all those other things, all the things of the world, the more we fill up on it, the emptier we fill, the hungrier we are. But as we seek the Lord, as we know Him, we get filled. And so church, here's an opportunity for us. We have the opportunity to walk alongside this generation and the generation below them and help them seek out and know the Lord. Help them seek out His truth. Help them fill up on Him. Fill up on true sustenance, on what is filling and nourishing to the soul. That is an amazing opportunity. Are we going to take it? Are we going to walk alongside them? Number five. Children are fun. They are open to activities that engage. Now I'm going to hop on a soapbox for a minute, okay? Um, fun and youth ministry 
together kind of get a bad rap, don't they? Yeah. If you've, if you've grown up in church, oftentimes you kind of hear adults say, all they do is just play games. Right? All they do is have fun. Now, there is a reason for that fun. And before I go further, yes, we do more than just have fun. Okay, they learn a lot in the youth ministry here. But fun is a key part of it. In fact, fun is important. I think fun is an important part of youth ministry and children's ministry. If I'm being honest, I think as adults, we should look to have some more fun. Okay, maybe that's just me. But there's a reason for that. Okay, as we see here, they're going to engage in activities and anything that looks fun to them. And that can be good or bad. And so as a youth minister, we've gone, hey, we want to do something that's engaging. We want to provide an activity once a month so that our kids have an alternative. So that instead of maybe going doing something else out there that's not so wholesome, we've got something here that's, that's just as fun and really can show them, look, living a Christ-like lifestyle, it's a blast. You can still be a Christian and have fun. It's not boring, okay? So yes, that's part of it. But there's something deeper to that desire to engage There's something deeper to wanting to have fun and it's connection. If we take it a step further, what we look and we see is that fun, fun creates some connection there. I mean, think about the last time at work or maybe at a family gathering, you were around some people when you played a game and you had some fun. What did that do to your relationship with them? Deepened it, didn't it? Heck, there's even been times where at old jobs I've worked where I've had some coworkers that I was not a very big fan of. Next thing you know, we're playing some game, we're engaging in some fun activity, and the barriers fall. It's no longer me versus them. Now it's, oh, I see you in a different light. It creates some kind of deeper connection. You see, that's what they crave. And that's what fun does, right? Fun and doing, having fun We connect and build relationships that we wouldn't have otherwise created, that we wouldn't have otherwise made. And so that's the bigger reason why we do what we do when we have fun. I've seen kids' walls and barriers drop. They come in here, we play some games, and all of a sudden they are opened up and ready to hear about the Lord. They're opened up and ready to build community here. I'll never forget, we uh, had gone to Laser Tag. This is years ago. We went to Laser Quest. And uh, went with the junior hires. And man, it was a blast. Especially as an adult, okay? You've just got a natural, you know, like advantage against some junior hires. So I had the high score, all right? So it was a blast for me. Uh, but the kids had a lot of fun too. So we're having some fun. And we get back on the bus. And I'm sitting next to this girl. And we're just talking. We're having, we're having a good time. We're, we're laughing about some of the things that happened, some things that people did and said. And all of a sudden, she shifts the conversation from from the fun we just had to talking about home life. What I discovered that night is that home life was not so good. That home life was rough. That it had caused her to struggle in her faith. That it had been months and months and months since she had prayed. And that she was having a hard time reconciling. Why why is God letting this happen? And so we talked that through and we ended the bus ride with, with praying together. And no, we didn't fix all of her issues in, in the 25-minute bus ride from Laser Quest to the church. 
but she prayed for the first time in months. And that girl engaged almost every single Sunday for the rest of her time in the youth group, was ready and willing to listen, was seeking the Lord. It's like there was this newfound faith within her. And that connection, that opportunity wouldn't have happened if we didn't take the time to just have some fun to start. Our kids naturally seek that, yes, because they want to do something fun, but really because they want to connect at a deeper level. And then number six, children are hopeful. They hope even in the hurt. Now, if you have uh, lifted weights, you realize what happens is after a while you get calluses, right? So that's your body's way of saying the skin is getting ripped up, it's getting torn, and so we need to protect ourselves. So your, your skin calluses, becomes hard, and it prevents you from getting hurt again. That's a, that's a good defensive mechanism of the body. However, as time goes on, as an adult, as we experience more heartache, more heartbreak, disappointment, pain, suffering, we become callous too, don't we? It gets very easy as life continues, as we experience more hardship, for us to become callous and closed off. It gets easy for us to stop seeing hope. All of a sudden, our view of the world, the way we see things, we we begin to expect the worst. Anytime something good happens, we kind of go, well, something bad's right around the corner. And if we're not careful, it can even cause us to lose sight of the hope we have in Jesus, right? That grand hope. If we become callous enough, it can be so easy for us to even lose sight of that. Church, if you've been here on previous Youth Sundays, we've talked a lot about the struggles and the issues and the challenges that are facing our youth. And honestly, they've got an uphill battle. Sure, the condition of the heart hasn't changed. I don't think that ever changes, right? They have the same needs. They want to be loved. They want to be known. They want to know their creator. They want to feel accepted. But the way that those longings of the heart have been presented to them, the direction of the world, the things that they're facing everywhere from from mental health to what's happening with technology and how that's affecting everything they do to COVID to, I mean, you just name it. I look at, at their time as young people, as youth, and I compare it to my time, man, I had it a lot easier. But the wonderful thing, what I've realized, what I've watched, is I've watched as over, over years and years, even through tears and some devastating heartbreak, because they've seen some rough stuff, they've seen things that none of us want to see. But I've watched as, as through tears and devastating heartache, they have held on to hope without reservation, even if it's just by a threat. I've watched these guys continue to hope, continue to get back up, to keep on keeping on. And it's something I think we should all aspire to do. Something that we should all, we should all learn to start getting rid of these calluses and start seeing the world and what God is doing in our lives through the lens of hope. Now, these are just a few things that I really do think Jesus loves about those that are young in their faith. That he loves about the youth. 
And that love is apparent for them, right? We see in the fact that he, he doesn't rebuke the children. He rebukes the disciples. He rebukes the, those that think they have it figured out. He rebukes the ones that are keeping them from him. And we, we see his love. It is so apparent in that passage. But you know what? It doesn't stop there. He continues. So we're going to keep reading. Verse 16 says this. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. You see, we see Jesus welcoming them, making them the example and saying, you've got to be like them. And then we see him embracing them. We get a glimpse of of how Jesus really sees these kids, of how Jesus really sees those that are young in their faith. And it's actually exactly like Nicole Jokic. Now, I want to I come back to that, okay? So, unimportant, unvaluable, waste of a draft pick. Do you know what Nicole Jokic has accomplished in his career? In seven years. He is one of very few players to win back-to-back MVPs. The draft pick that everyone thought was going to be nothing and worthless and of zero value has proven himself to be the most valuable player in all of the league. He has outplayed LeBron. He's outplayed Joel Embiid. He's outplayed every single player in the league and become the most valuable. What had zero value was actually the most precious thing. And that's exactly how Jesus sees those that are young in their faith. That's exactly how he sees our youth and our children. They are his most valued possession. They are the most valuable thing to him. And you see, he invites us to have that same heart. He invites us to see those that are young in their faith exactly like he sees them. Precious, valuable, of the utmost importance, with so much love. Jesus has transformed my heart to see the youth this way. As the years have gone on, as I've gotten to walk alongside these guys for 11 years now, year after year, Jesus has shown me just how much he loves them. And he's invited me to do the same. And here's the wonderful thing, that if if we take that view, when we love those that are young in their faith, just like Jesus loved them, when we see them as valuable and as having the utmost importance, we're blessed. There's a blessing in that. I went to CCU and got a degree in youth ministry. And I remember as an 18-year-old, wide-eyed, so excited, I remember thinking, I, I cannot wait to change some lives. I can't wait to learn all these things, and, and I'm going to have an impact on the future generation. I, I'm so excited. And yeah, I know I have. But you know what? As cliche and as cheesy as this sounds... They have impacted me so much more than I've impacted them. Jesus has blessed me year in and year out by getting the opportunity to work with these kids. 
I would not be the same person today if it wasn't for them. I am beyond humbled to be able to walk alongside these guys. It's an absolute blessing. So church, I'm going to go and invite the, the worship team back up. Church, my prayer is this. My prayer is that we see just how much Jesus loves this next generation, just how much Jesus loves those young in their faith, and that that changes our hearts. My prayer is that we love them and see them just as Jesus does. And not only that, my prayer is that that love for them leads to action. Whatever that might look like in your life. But I pray that. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day and this time. Thank you, Lord Jesus, again for this wonderful, amazing congregation, Lord. And thank you for these youth. Thank you for for those with young faith, Lord God. Jesus, you, you see those with young faith just as they are, Lord God, as, as the most valuable, as your most prized possession, Lord God. Jesus, I pray that we, you give us our, your heart, that you give us the heart that loves this next generation, that loves those that are young in their faith and beginning their faith journey. Lord, I pray that you soften our hearts in that way. And Lord Jesus, I pray that we then go out and that that leads to action. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.